All right, let's go. Um, today's daf is daf tes, page nine in Meseches Chagiga. We are up to the Mishnah, four lines from the top of the Amr. Hey, bud. Let us get going. Yesterday we focused on what happens when a person brings too many Chagigas to, for, to uh, you, don't, you don't have enough time to bring them all on day number one. Now we're going to talk about what happens if we didn't bring a Chagiga at all. On day number one. Let's get going. A person didn't bring his carpet chagiga. On the first day of Yom Tev, you can bring your carbon chagiga for the rest of the Yom Tev. Now, it's not clear from the Mishnah, when you do bring it on day number two, is that a day number two obligation? Or is it a makeup of day number one? That we don't know, right? We know you're supposed to bring a day number one. If you don't bring a day number one, it says you could bring it the rest of the yomtif. Okay, fine. But this day you bring out the rest of the yomtif. Is it connected back to a day number one obligation? That, on, For example, on day number two, I'm now fulfilling my day number one obligation. Or is it that it's just, no, my obligation is being fulfilled on day number two, and in no way is this connected back to day number one. Okay. Let's keep going in the Mishnah. Even on Shmini Atzeres, the halacha is, you're allowed to bring your carbon Chagiga, even though it's like quasi a different Yomtif. But what happens once the entire Yomtif passes? Over here we're talking about particularly Sukkis, and there's no Chag, and you didn't bring the carbon Chagiga. So you lost out on your opportunity, and Al Zenamar, on this, the Mishnah says, Me'uvis liskain. The chesron la something that is bent cannot be straightened out, and something that does not exist cannot be counted. What do you learn out from this pasuk? There's some times in life where you can make something up. Okay, I didn't do it today, I could do it tomorrow. But there's other times where once it's done, it's done. It's your loss. We're familiar, for example, as, as uh, Yidin, hey kid, pick on somebody on says. We're familiar as Yidin with the concept of tshuva, and you always have an opportunity to, you know, even though we don't want to lose out on our original opportunities, but there's a makeup. Zok, the Mishnah, no, there's time, that's true with tshuva, but there's times in life where it doesn't work. And if you, lo- if you lost, you lost. That's it. It's, it's a lost opportunity. For example, you didn't bring your karma chagiga, it's not there anymore. Okay, continuing on in the Mishnah. Rabbi Shimba Menasi Aimer. Rabbi Shimba Menasi says, Listen to this beautiful message in life. What is something that is twisted that cannot be straightened out? This is referring to somebody who has uh, um, uh, sexual relations with a forbidden person. And a mamzer comes out of it. Okay? Now, this child is now a mamzer. Is there any way to get rid of mamzerus? No. So a person, there are certain times, this is very interesting, we're not God to know when Hashem decides to do this and not do this. But there are certain times where in life, if you do a particular transgression, we're just going to have to learn with, to live with the consequences. A person has this relationship that's punishable by death down here. Okay, We'll see, the, Mishas, the Gemara is going to give some examples of which relationship leads to a mamzer. It's not every forbidden relationship, by the way. Okay, It's only particular ones. But once this mamzer is born, that's it. There's no going back on it. 
It is what it is. Now, for us, uh, I'm assuming that for all of us here in the Shir, we're not Mamzerim, and uh, we're not connected um, in our immediate family to Mamzerim. However, there's an important message that Mamzer could teach us. And this message dates all the way back to the creation of the world. When God looked back at the end of Misa Bereshis, at the end of creating the world, He looks back at the world, and what words does Hashem use? Vihinei tov ma'od. It was very good. At the end of six days, Hashem looks back and says it was very good. Was this God's plan? No. By the time the sixth of creation was done, this was not God's plan. We've mentioned this before. Hashem originally made the moon and the sun on day number four equal. The moon kvetches. Hashem has to minimize the moon. There's other issues that go on. The sin of Adam and Chava. All these things happened during Misa Bereshis. Things got messed up and permanently. Right? Until Mashiach comes. This is permanent. But Hashem still looks back and He says, V'hinei tov ma'ot. It was very good. I can live with my new reality. The message of a mamzer is there's a loss, there's a reality, and this happens in our lives. Sometimes we're, we end up living in situations that we and permanently that we did not intend to live in. But you know what our job to do is? Look back at our current situation and say, you know what? Tov ma'od. I'm going to make this very good. I'm just, whatever I'm in right now, and whatever reality Hashem has sent my way, I'm going to turn this into something which is Tov Ma'od. What a beautiful message over there. If you say that something that's twisted cannot be straightened is referring to stealing and robbing, that can't be. Because whenever you steal something, you can give the money back and do tshuva. The only, this is such a beautiful, he says, you, you can only call something twisted if it first was straight and then became twisted. So he says, how am I translating the verse of something that's twisted cannot be straightened out? It's only twisted if it was originally straight. Otherwise you wouldn't call it twisted. That's it's straight. Right? If it was originally twisted, it's not twisted. This is how it's made. So says Rashbi, says the Holy Rav Shimbar Yechai, so you know what this verse is referring to, who's somebody who started out straight, got twisted, and cannot be fixed. A person who knows better, a person who's knowledgeable, and turns away. So, okay, so now why is such a person... A Talmud Chacham, a person who was knowledgeable, and then we'll say, went off. Took, a, took, took the wrong path. And now he wants to come back, right? So where do we see that such a thing cannot, where, where do you see that such a thing cannot be fixed up? Where does such a thing happen from? See, here's the answer. Ready for this? When a person originally did not have any knowledge, so we're only expected to live with what we know. Hashem only expects us to live with what we know. A person, let's say, who was raised without even knowing what the word Torah means. So, that's what Hashem chose for that neshama. That's what Hashem chose for that soul. And then the person comes around, and they start becoming conscious. Oh, there's this word Torah. There's Hashem. There's this, there's this beautiful uh, um, and pleasant way of life that I could be living to serve Hashem, as we're going to see later on on today's daf. There's a lot of beautiful ideas that crop up on today's daf. So such a person, it's not called 
something that was straight and was twisted. It's somebody that was created with a certain existence, and now they're going to take their life experiences and bring that with them to a life of Hashem, a life of Torah. But somebody who knew better and then went off, even if they come back, there's always an element of the time they lost by going off. There's always going to be that. It's like, you know, we know that anybody who has a mature approach to life knows we don't say, oh, I could do it next week. Because even if you could do it next week, sometimes it won't happen. But even when it does happen, you still lost out on the now. What happened to this week? Right? What happened to now? That is lost from a Talmud Chacham. Okay. Here we go. Says the Gemara, let's first go back to the beginning of the Mishnah and focus on the laws of Chagiga. How do we know that if you don't bring a carbon Chagiga on day number one, you could bring it for the rest of Yom Tefam? Rabbi Yochanan Mishim Rabbi Shmol. Rabbi Yochanan says the name Rabbi Shmol. Namar Atzeres B'Shvi Yishol Pesach says the word Atzeres on the seventh day of Pesach. And Namar Atzeres B'Shvini Shochag. And Shmini Atzeres, the eighth day of Sukkot, is called Atzeres. Mala Lama Tashlum, and just like on the last day of Pesach, you're still allowed to bring the carbon Chagiga of the first day of Pesach. I've come the Tashlum, so too the carbon Chagiga brought on Shmini Atzeres, even though it's quasi a different Yom Tif. You're still allowed to bring your Chagiga of the first day of Sukkot on the eighth day, which is Shmini Atzeres. Now, the Gemara is going to explain how we know there's a connection between the seventh day of Pesach and the eighth day of Sukkot. Mufna. In order to make a Gzeir Shava, the word Atzeres has to be open. It has to be free. Let me explain. In order for a Gzeir Shava to work, I take one word in one place, I find a same or similar word elsewhere, and that allows me to connect the halachos. If you have halacha one place, can you do that all the time? No. If you find the word vayomer in Bereshus, and the word vayomer in Devarim, uh, same thing, no. In order to make Zereshava, the word that exists in one place has to be extra, unnecessary. That's what it means that the word is open, that the word is free. It's now available for me to make Egzer HaShavah. Di If this word, um, Atzeres, would not be available, would not be open, Ikalamifrach, we can uproot the Egzer HaShavah. And if I'm, if I'm using it based purely on logic and say, Malishvi Shal Pesach, you can't compare the seventh day of Pesach, Shekin Inechalak Mishalafonov. The seventh day of Pesach is the same thing as the sixth day of Pesach and the same thing as the first day of Pesach. It's all Pesach. But Taimar Bishmini Shachag, but what about Shmini Atzeres? Is that exactly like the beginning of Sukkot? No. Shecholok Mishalafonov. Shmini Atzeres is a, is a different type of day than the seventh day of Sukkot. Because on seventh day of Sukkot, you bring particular carbonos. It's called Sukkot completely. Shmini Atzeres has its own category of carbonos and so on and so forth. So, if I'm going to compare the eighth day of Sukkot to the seventh day of Pesach, it has to be that there's something unique pushing me to make a Gzereshava. Because logic, without something unique being here to tell me to connect it, logic would actually dictate that they should be different. Says the Gemara, It actually is true that the words are extra, and that's how we have a Gzereshava. Because Michti, I'll show you how it's extra. My Atzeres, what does Atzeres mean? Otsur! What's the root of the word Atzeres? We Atzeres, we Atzeres, like a festival. You know what Atzur means? You ever see a stop sign in Israel? Atzur! Yeah? Atzur basiyas malacha. Stop from the performance of work. 
Why are you telling me to stop the performance of work? Why are you telling me Otsar to stop? The verse already said, You should not do any work. Why do you got to tell me to stop? You already told me to don't do it. You got to tell me stop. The word is actually extra, and therefore we have a connecting the eighth day of Shmini Atzeres to the seventh day of Pesach. And what is the halacha, bottom line? The same way the seventh day of Pesach can be a makeup day for the first day of Pesach, so too Shmini Atzeres, the eighth day of Sukkot, could be a makeup day for the first day of Sukkot for its Chagiga as well. Period. Okay. V'tana Maisi Lamehacha. The Gemara now goes on to say, very nice, you have Xera Shava can, teaching me that I am permitted to use the eighth day of Sukkot as a makeup day for the first day of Sukkot. Okay, I get that. But you should know Artana learns it out from elsewhere, meaning another source. The Tana we learned in the Brisa, Vechagosamoso Chaglashem Shivas Yamim. You should you should make a festival for Hashem for seven days. All right. Klaisol is obligated to make a seven-day yomtif. What does that mean? Yachol, I might think a chayigig v'hilechol shiva. I might think that the karma chagiga is obligated to be brought all seven days, not only on the first day and the rest of the days are makeup, but rather all seven days have an obligation of the chagiga. Tamar lomar oso. It means oh, only it on it, meaning oso at the chagig only on it on that one day. Do you bring, are you obligated to bring the Karba Chagiga? call Shiva, but you're not obligated to bring the Karba Chagiga all seven days. One second. So now you're telling me that it's not a festival all seven days. That's a little confusing because the verse told me it's seven days of festival. Imkain, if it's only the first day, Lama Namar Shiva. Why are you telling me seven days of, of uh, Chagiga? The verse itself seems to be contradictory. On one hand, it's telling me day number one, oh so. On the other hand, it's telling me the Chagiga is all seven days. How do I reconcile this contradiction in the verses? Says the Gemara, one word answer, Litashlumen. It's telling me I can make it up. It's a makeup date. Meaning, on day number one, I bring the Chagiga. For the remaining days, if I didn't bring it on day number one, the remaining days, I can use those as makeup days. I could bring it even on day number four if I didn't have an opportunity to bring it on day number one. And how do we know that if you didn't bring it on the first day of that you could bring it throughout the entire Yom Tif, including Shmini Yatzeres? So, in the seventh, uh, in the seventh month, which is Tishrei, you shall have a festival with it, with the Chagiga. If you're telling me it's the seventh month, that we have the Chagiga, maybe you could bring your Karma Chagiga throughout the month of Tishrei. Maybe I don't need to stop. Maybe you have the whole month, right? Seventh month. Tamalam are also only on the Yomtif. Oso at the on the Yomtif itself. You're allowed to bring the Chagiga, the Chutzala. And you're not allowed to bring the Karma Chagiga once Yomtif is over. Okay. Says the Gemara now to clarify. Umay Tashlumen. What does it mean if I don't bring the Karban Chagiga on day number one? I'm allowed to use day two through seven as makeup dates. What does that mean? Rabbi Yochanan Amar Tashlumen Rishon. Meaning, day two through seven, you're really bringing day number one's sacrifice. I need us all to realize, notice the words I'm using. On, what does makeup mean? 
it means that when I bring the sacrifice on day number two, I'm really bringing day number one sacrifice. But I'm allowed to do it on day number two. But it's not called day number two sacrifice. It's called Chagiga of number one. Rabbi Aishia Amar Tashlumen Zelazeh. No, each day, if you didn't bring it day number one, each day is called, now you have a Chiyav on day number two. Now you have an obligation. You didn't bring it day number one, now you bring it on day number two. But it's not connected back to day number one. Again, this is, this is a lumdus here. Let's explain. Let's talk outside for a moment. Okay? My wife's nephew got married this past week. We were invited to the wedding. Okay? The big we. The big we. Rabiel, you missed the wedding. Yeah? Yeah, but I, I appreciate your text message and I told them Mazel Tov from you. <laughs> okay. My wife said he got married. Now the invitation came in the mail and the invitation said to, to Menachem and Zelda Tendler. Now, who's the family member that's the cause of the invitation? My wife. I didn't know them before I was married. I'm, so to speak, you know, hopefully they like me also by now, but I'm the, I'm the kid brother over here. You know what I mean? Why am I invited? Because nah, I married in, you know what I mean? Part of the mishpucha. But I'm not the cause of the invitation. I'm, the, I'm a follower. Yeah? So, you know, if my wife's not going, my wife's not invited, I'm not invited either. But, so that's, that's like a little tag along. There's an important part, there's a primary, and then something else that tags along. And then you have somebody who's the primary. That's the lumdus over here that's going on with the makeup carbon chagiga. What's happening? The Gemara is, we have a machlokas. And the Gemara says that when we bring the chagiga on day number two, is this really just a tag along of day number one sacrifice? You didn't bring it on day number one, okay, so we'll let you bring it on day number two. Or, no, this day number two can stand on its own. It's got its own superiority. And if you don't bring it in one, now it's a day number two obligation. Okay, so it's a lamdashashayla. Now, either way, do I bring a chagiga on day number two if I didn't bring it on day number one? Yeah. The question, the whole dispute over here is, what name does it have when you bring it on day number two? Is it named day number one or is it named day number two? So there's no real difference. Now, whenever you have something in Judaism where it doesn't make a difference, to quote my father, Zechariah Lebracha, that's just mental gymnastics. Give me something practical. Don't give me the mental gymnastics over here. I want to know why it makes a difference. Okay? Tell me why it makes a difference. So here we go. Says the Gemara, my Beinayu, what's the difference in each one's approach? Listen to this. This is amazing. Amr Rabzeh says, A person who had a broken leg, he was in a wheelchair. On day number one, did he have an obligation to bring a Karma Chagiga on day number one? No, he had no obligation. Let's put it on the concert. Day number one, no. But now he got healed on day number two. So here, listen here. If day number two can stand on its own, so now that you're healed, you have an obligation on day number two. But if day number two's makeup is only connected back to day number one, on day number one I wasn't obligated, and therefore I'm not obligated now either. That's a practical difference, says Rebzer. Beautiful. Um, 
That's one difference. Rabbi Yochanan says, Tashlum in the Rishon, that each day that you bring the Tashlum is just a makeup day for the first day. A person who was, was lame on day number one couldn't walk. So he's not obligated to now make, uh, with a makeup on day number two. He never had that original obligation. While Rabbi Yeshia says, Tashlumen Zelazah, each day it stands on its own. If you didn't bring day number one, I now have a new obligation on day number two. And therefore, even though this guy who had a broken foot was not obligated on day number one, now that he's able to go up and bring his Karba Chagiga, he would be obligated to do so. Beautiful, okay? So again, let's just talk outside for a moment. There's a dispute as to when I make up the Chagiga sacrifice, what name the Chagiga sacrifice has later on on the holiday. Is it still connected back to day number one, or is it a new obligation? Rabbi Yochanan held, it was connected back to day number one. Says the Gemara, a challenge. But then you have to, then you have to do number two. What about day two? Correct. So either way, either way, a usual person, Rabbi El, good question. Either way, a, a regular person is going to have to bring your sacrifice on day number two. Either way. Is that answering your question? No, 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 no. The, uh, okay, let me clarify. Good. Rabiel's asking, well, if each day has its own obligation and I didn't bring it on day number one, so now I should bring two sacrifices, right? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So let's clarify. And this is a bigger, uh, you're, you're forcing us to go a little deeper over here. Here's how it works. There's a mitzvah, I'm going to preface it with an example. There's a mitzvah in the Torah of if you steal something, you need to return it. Can I do, perform that mitzvah if I don't steal in the first place? No. That mitzvah only kicks in when there was an original circumstance. When something is already in existence. So that's what's happening here too. But that's a beautiful idea. What's happening here is as follows. According to Reb Aishia, there's an obligation to bring your chagig on day number one. If I don't, then there's a new obligation to now bring your Chagiga on day number two. On day what? On day number two. But it's a new obligation. Bring number one on day number two. According to Rabbi Shia, I'm not bringing day number one sacrifice on day number two. Right, so that that was Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. But Rabbi Shia says... If I don't bring on day number one, I now have a new mitzvah that starts. And it says, now you bring a day number two chagiga. But that obligation only starts if I never brought one, if I never brought day number one. If I bring a chagiga on day number one, Rabbi Yeshua will agree, there's no, there's no chagiga for day number two. But if I did not bring on day number one, says Raboshia, a new obligation now kicks in for me. Day number two, that Chagiga must be brought. It is not tethered back to the day number one sacrifice. Okay? That's the Lam Deshem Achleikas over here. Says the Gemara question, Does Ezra Yochanan really of the opinion that um, the, the obligation on the remaining days is connected back to the original day? Does he really hold that? And here's why we're going to challenge it. 
But Chizkiah says, Nitma bayayim. If a person becomes Tomei by day, maybe he brings the, the Karbonais for an additional Tuma. Okay? He brings the Karbonais for an additional Tuma. Uh, Balayla. Let's say he became Tomei at night. So, Enoi maybe. You don't bring it. Let's pause and explain what's happening. So, a Nazir is not allowed to become impure. Okay? A Nazirite is not allowed to become impure. Let's say he became impure. Now, he has to go through seven days of purity. In order to become, to re, to become pure again, he now has to, he has to go through seven days. Now, at the end of those seven days, he brings a sacrifice on day number eight. Now, here's what happened. You have a Nazir who had seven days after his impurity. He had seven days of seven clean days, we'll call it. On day number eight, he did not yet bring his sacrifice. He's capable to bring his sacrifice, but he didn't bring it. And guess what happened? He became Tomei again. He was standing there, and a guy just dropped dead. He needed to do CPR. The guy, Nabuch, passed away in his arms. So he's Tomei now on day number eight. Okay? He has to now wait another seven days of purification. At the end of those seven days, is he now going to bring two sacrifices or one? You hear the question? Because really, he completed his original seven days, and he's only becoming impure again. So we, do we view it as like he now has two separate impurities? Or do we say, listen, if you didn't bring your sacrifice yet, at the end of the 15 days... You'll bring one sacrifice for the entire thing. Okay? So if he became tummy by day, then you bring a, another, uh, you know, an, another carbon. But Palayla, if he became tummy the night after the seventh, before the eighth day even started, then Eno Mevi, you only bring one carbon. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, Af Balayla, even if he becomes tummy at night, Nami Mevi. You still bring, um, Two separate carbonis, you're going to bring the carbonis both for the, the first and the second. So you see over here that Rabbi Yochanan is of the opinion that, that you, can, you make a distinct separation between the two. Because you're going to bring a carbon for the first group of uh, the first Tummah, and you're going to bring for the second Tummah. So why by a holiday does Rabbi Yochanan have the opinion that the whole thing is connected back to the original one? If you hold that later on, you could say the whole thing's connected, why is he not saying it's connected here by the Tummah? Amr Abirmiya, Abirmiya explains, shiny tumma diyeshla tashlumim bepesach sheni. Tumma is different because when you become Tomei, you are capable of having a pesach sheni. And since you have a pesach sheni, so that shows me that when it comes to impurity, there's a later makeup date. So over here, when this Nazir didn't bring his carbon, let's, let's remind ourselves of the story. You had a Nazir, a Nazarite, seven days he was clean. He, at the, now on the eighth day, he's going to be obligated to bring a sacrifice. Why didn't he bring a sacrifice? Because he became impure again. Did he want to bring it? Yeah. Is he able to according to halacha? No. So let him be like a regular person when it comes to the Pesach, when it comes to the holiday of Pesach. You, you are impure when Pesach starts. Can you eat from the Quran Pesach? No. So what do we tell you? Later on, you'll eat the Pesach Sheni. 
Okay? So when it comes particularly to Tumah, we find there's later makeup dates. But what about the Chagiga offering? When a person is lame, you can't walk. Why are you not bringing the Chagiga? Does it have anything to do with impurity? No. So the Gemara is basically answering what we say in English, you're dealing with apples and oranges. It's two separate things, even though I heard scientifically apples and oranges are quite similar. But that's an expression that, uh, that people use. Okay? We're dealing with, with two separate things, and therefore there's no contradiction. Beautiful. Masculine Repopper, that's a challenging question. This makes sense. According to the opinion that Pesach Sheni Tashtum and Derishen Hu Tap of Amid Beis that the second Pesach is really a makeup for the first Pesach Elamanda Mar Sheni Regal but Feyatzme Hu Perfect going to say that Pesach Sheni is really considered like its own Yomtiv it's not a continuation of Pesach number one Michael and Meimar what are you going to say either way Rabbi Yochanan should have a consistent opinion by the Karma Chagiga and over here Elamar of Papa rather Papa says Kasab Rabbi Yochanan Laila Ina Mechusers Man Rabbi Yochanan holds that when you become Tomei at night so. You've already, uh, the night after the seventh, it's already considered like you completed your seven days and the, and the obligation to bring your sacrifice already started, even though it's at night. Ah, you don't bring a sacrifice at night? It's okay. If you would, it would be valid. And therefore, it's like your obligation started. Hence, you completed your first Tumah. Now it's a brand new Tumah. And that's why you got to bring two sacrifices. Says the Gemara, is that true? Does is he really of the opinion? that you're already considered in a category of obligation to bring your your uh, carbon uh, for your your carbon your, your carbon for your tumma uh, that it starts at night says if a, when when a, a male has a seminal emission through tumas zav okay this is not a forced emission this is through the zav impurity which either could come through sickness and, and various uh, things so, if you saw one seminal emission at night and two by day, maybe you're, you, uh, you bring the, the carbonis um, for your... Uh, this happened twice. You bring your carbonis for the second zav, besides for your first zav. Let's say you saw two, two, two seminal emissions at night and one by day. Maybe you don't need to bring a whole second set. It goes back to the original obligation. Now, if you're going to say that Rabbi Yechina really holds, that, that nighttime is not considered too early to bring a sacrifice. Maybe, then even if you had two seminal emissions by night and one by day, you should still bring a two, you should still be obligated to bring a completely separate set of carbonos. Answers the Gemara, Rabbi was only of his opinion. He was saying, according, if you're going to say, Laila's Mechusr's man, then you got to bring, you know, then, then you're not going to have to bring two. But otherwise, you will. According to that opinion, Rabbi Yechidah is not teaching me a Chiddush. Pshita, that's simple. You don't need to kick that in. Says the Gemara, We're talking about where a person had two emissions during the day and one emission the next night. That's where we have the Chiddush. Why? I would have thought to say, that um, we should keep in mind the question that was asked by Rav Shisha Avidi, which we'll explain what that is in a moment, you know, when it comes to the, whether you have two emissions by day or one by night. Kamash Belong, Kid Rabbi Yisif, comes along and teach us that we should follow the opinion of Rabbi Yisif, and even though Rav Shisha had a question on Rabbi Yisif about when the second obligation starts, we should listen to Rabbi Yosef's answer. Period. 
end of that Gemara, let's explain. We can't just run through that without, without walking away with a, uh, you know, some, some uh, Choshuva nugget from the last uh, 10 lines or so. So here's, let's, let's, let's pause and give ourselves an overview of what the main, the main theme that we just, we just learned through. If I do an unintentional sin today, okay, for example, uh, it has to be a sin with an action. So a person unintentionally, um, let's see, uh, Shabbos would be a good one. Okay, I unintentionally transgress Shabbos. So as soon as Shabbos is over, if there was a Beis HaMikdash, so I would bring a carbon chatas. I would bring an offering as part of my process. Okay, fine. Next week, the same thing happens. I haven't yet brought my original sacrifice. Do I now need to bring two sacrifices or one? It's the same sin. You understand? Same sin. It just happened twice on two completely separate occasions. So would I be, obli- would I be obligated in two separate sin offerings? The answer is yes. Okay? Now, in this case, there's a clear differentiation. One was one week. One was the next week. By the case of impurity, it's very unique. We spoke this out by Zav and Zava with the two emissions at night and one by day. But really, it's all the same thing as the Nazir. Let's explain. If a Nazir becomes impure, he's got to wait seven days until he reaches on the eighth day, he brings a sacrifice, and that is the end of his purification process. Okay? You're not completely pure until you bring your sacrifice. But you're like, far along... You've already waited your seven clean days. You're, you're, you're 90% there. You're just waiting for this sacrifice. I didn't bring the sacrifice yet. And after the seven clean days, whether it's at night, immediately after the days are over, or whether it's the eighth day, the Nazir unfortunately becomes impure again. Is it two, does he now need to bring two sin offerings for becoming impure twice? Okay? Now, what's the answer? It's a machlokas. It's a machlokas. But what's the, here's, what, here's what we just need to walk away with. What, what needs understanding? What's the machlokas dependent on? So it's as follows. If I say that you only need to bring one sacrifice, even though I became impure again on day number eight, what I'm, what I'm really saying is that you were never, you never left your impurity to be able to become impure again. Let me repeat that. If you're going to say that a Nazir who had seven clean days without a sacrifice and then became impure, you, you do not need to bring a new sacrifice, only, you, only, you only need to bring one. Why would I be of that opinion? Because he never stopped being impure. He had seven clean days, but he retained his status. Until the sacrifice, he retains his status. And therefore, I never became impure. It's not a new impurity. So there's only one sacrifice at the end. Masha'en Cain, as opposed to, if we say that once you have seven clean days, you're already in the category of purity. 
You just have an obligation to bring a sacrifice. And now I become impure. It's like you became impure again. It's like it's two separate Shabbosim, two separate weeks. And that's why I would be obligated to bring two separate Karbanos. That's the underlying logic that we're dealing with over here. Okay. Here we go. Next Gemara. Avar Haregel Veloichog. We're at the two dots, about 12 lines from the top of the Yamud. And if anybody's minds are a little overblown, when to give you a little bit of a rest over here. There's Gishmak Gemara coming up. Listen closely. Here we go. Avar Haregel what ha- the Mishnah told us, let's say the whole holiday passed and he did not bring a karma chagiga, so you cannot bring it anymore. You lost your opportunity, and about this it says, Listen, you lost out. You had a mitzvah to do. You lost your mitzvah. As my father would tell me when I wasn't happy with something, I would say, Ta, it's not fair. And he would say, What's the last letter of the olive base? Tough. <laughs> That's it. Tough. <laughs> that was his answer, yeah? So, I still want to bring my carbon. You know the answer? The last letter of the olive base. Tough. He lost it. That's it. Amar lei bar hei hei le Hillel. Listen to this. Bar hei hei says to Hillel. Who's bar hei hei? Who's bar hei hei? You know what he's famous for? Bar hei hei, by the way? Bar hei is famous for the statement that we have in Pirkei Avos of Lefum Tzara Agra, the last Mishnah in the fifth parak of Avos. According to the effort is the reward. Lefum Tzara Agra. That was Barhehe. Now Barhehe is not his real name. Okay? That Mishnah has two Tanayim. One's name is Ben Bagbag, and the other one is Barhehe, which is what we listen here. Uh, the, Mish- the, the Mepharshim on the Mishnah there say, that Ben Bagbag and Barhehe were grandchildren of converts, and they were at risk of being given over to the Roman authorities um, if they would have found out who their ancestors were. So their nickname, their, their names became Ben Bagbag and Barhehe. Bagbag stands for Bez Gimel, Ben Ger, Ben Gioris. That this Tana was this, his father was a convert and his mother was a convert. And Barhehe also was a different hinting to the letter He is from the word Avram, became Avraham, and Sarai became Sarah. They each received a He. So we would call, they gave him this convert, the name Barhehe, to, to let people know that, that uh, his Jewish ancestors, are Avram and Sarah. Okay? Interestingly, by the way, Ben Bagbag, Beis Gimel, is Ben Ger, Ben Geris, but Beis Gimel also is 2 and 3, which is the numerical value of hate. So it also hints, Ben Bagbag also hints to having, being a descendant of Avram and Sarah as well. But be it as it may, this Bar Heihei, this, this uh, holy Tana, this holy uh, uh, Baruch Hashem, this person who chose to convert to Klal Yisrael, and we have so much Torah because of his important decision. He says to Hillel, Hi, Lihimanais. This that we say is something that's lacking cannot be counted. Lihimalais me by the It should say, it shouldn't say it's not counted. It say it cannot be filled up. Because how do you fix something? By filling it, not by, not by giving it a number. 
Ella, what's it teaching me? Rather, you know what it's you know what the verse is teaching me. You know what type of loss this is when somebody's community, when somebody's group is involved in a mitzvah and he says, you know what, guys, you could do the mitzvah, have your minion, have your uh, yomtiv, have whatever you want. You know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. On such a person, we say, you're not counted as part of the community. It's a, the loss is a loss. You gotta, if, if you want to be part of it, you want to be part of it. Tana miyachi, learn to the price of simulim, but obviously you What does it mean? Something that's twisted, cannot be strengthened. Dalt, zet shabito kriyash mashal shachris. It's referring to somebody who did not say the morning shema in the proper time. O kore kriyash mashal arvis, or read the evening shema in the proper time. O shabito tfila shal shachris, or a person did not daven in the morning on purpose. O tfila shal arvis, or an evening davening on purpose. That's what bitel means, bottle. I nullified it. I didn't want, I was negligent. So, so if you miss out on that, you can't daven yesterday's Kriyashma today. You lost out. Today's Kriyashma is a new obligation. It's not, it's not uh, connected back to the original one. The And something that's lacking cannot be counted. A person whose friends are gathering together to perform a mitzvah, and he is choosing to not be counted amongst them. And now the Gemara for the next little bit is going to tell us some very interesting, uh, uh, interesting conversation with some beautiful messages about, uh, about life and serving HaKadosh Baruch Omar Le bar this convert said to Hillel, I don't know if this is true, but you know the famous story of Hillel and the convert, teach me the Torah on one foot, you know, right, those Gemara. I wonder if they, he became bar that would be a good story, yeah? But who knows? Okay, Barai says the whole What's taught in the pasuk which says v'shaftem? You will come back. Ureisem and you will see. Bein tzaddik l'rasha. The difference between a righteous person and a wicked person. Bein oved elokim and the difference between one who serves Hashem la'asher lo abadu and somebody who does not serve Hashem. Says the Gemara. What do you mean, a tzaddik and a rasha and an eved Hashem and not Hashem? Isn't a tzaddik an Eved Hashem? Isn't a righteous person one who serves God? Ask the Gemara, If you're a tzaddik, you must be a servant of God. And if you're a wicked person, you must not be a servant of God. So why does the verse seem to be redundant? Omar Lehil responds, To serve Hashem and not to serve Hashem. Listen to this. You're both tzaddikim. You could be a tzaddik who doesn't serve Hashem. The eno doma, but you cannot compare shona pirko meyapamim, one who learns something a hundred times, lishona pirko meyavechad, to somebody who learns it a hundred and one times. Listen to this. Hillel's telling him, a tzaddik and a rasha, that's a big difference. Righteous and wicked. But one who serves Hashem and doesn't serve Hashem, let me teach you the difference. Both of them do the right thing. They're both tzaddikim. But if you're a servant of Hashem, you learn your Torah 101 times. And if you're not the servant of Hashem, you learn your Torah 100 times. What does this mean? This is an analogy. To somebody who does what needs to be done, you're a tzaddik. You do all the right things. And somebody who goes above what needs to be done. Now you're in Eved Hashem. I don't only do something 
because it says I want to do it. You know when a person is in Eved Hashem? When they go, uh, when they do a little bit more. And this applies to all our relationships. It applies to our relationships. When you do something, a little bit more. Not just what needs to be done. That's the difference between an Eved Hashem and not an Eved Hashem. We're both doing the right thing. But if I really want to be in a, when I, when I want to show I'm in a healthy relationship, I learn my Torah one more time. Just as an example. It's just an example. It's an example of going above and beyond the original amount. Omar Lay. So Brahei says to Hillel, because of that one extra time, he did 101. Yeah, a, a little bit more, that makes you an Ebed Hashem. Omar Lay, Hillel says in yes. And I'll prove it to you. Why? Go to the marketplace of the donkeys. Asara parse bezuza, a donkey that could walk ten parsa. Kos, I'm sorry, yeah, kos one zuz for the ride. Chad asar parsi betray zuze, and we want to go eleven parsa. All of a sudden, the price doubles. Okay, there's a big difference whether you're flying, whether you're 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 driving an hour away or an hour and a half away. An hour away, you might be worthwhile taking an Uber. An hour and a half away, you're already looking at, you know, you're already looking at a flight, or uh, something like that. In other words, says Hillel, to bring this down practical to our life, it's not about the amount as much as it is what that amount does for me, the value of that amount. If one person can lift 50 pounds, two people can lift 150. You get a lot more done with the extra amount of energy that's there. So one person gets stuck, and the other person, with that little extra bit, all of a sudden his reward is doubled. That is what Hillel is responding to Barhei. What's the meaning of the Apostle that says, I have been, I've molded you. I've, uh, it's Svartiha. Uh, um, it means, um, I've, I've purified you. That's how we're going to translate this. I've purified you. But not the way that kesef, that silver, is purified. Okay, and I've I've been bachar you from the word bachar, a bachar, right? A yeshiva bachar. What does that mean? A chosen one. Right? Asher bachar banu mikolam. You chose us from all the other nations. So becharticha bachar aini. You've chosen us from the firstborn of of uh, poorness. What does that mean? That's, that's, uh, um, that, that was the question. So he answers, Malame, that teaches us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu went over all the Midos Tovos. He looked it over. To give to Klal Yisrael. And you know what he found? Poverty. When Hashem looked at which trait is going to be crucial for a Jew to serve him, that trait is going to be Poverty. When people talk about Jewish guilt, they're right. You know what Hashem instills inside the DNA of every Jew? I don't have enough. I gotta be more. 
I got to do more. I got to be a bigger person. A yid does not just sit back and be patient and, uh, and not have a drive to improve. Aniyas here is not talking only about, it might be included in that, we do find a certain drive that perhaps Klal Yisrael has for financial success, you know, and, and uh, amongst other things. But it's referring to, when some, what does it mean to be poor? We know that. Who's wealthy? Somebody who's content. Who's poor? Somebody who's not content. Sashem so put into Klal Yisrael that we're, we're, we're never fully content with where we're at. And that's what allows us to keep driving for more in our relationship with Hashem. I'm not content in my relationship. I could develop better. I could develop more. Omar Shmuel, Vitemer Rabbi Yosef. Shmuel says, some say it was Rabbi Yosef. This is what people say. That poorness, poverty, is, is fit, is beautiful. For Klal Yisrael, ki barza sumaka lesosya chavira, like a red, not, I don't know how to, what, what do you place on front of a horse? Um, Susia Chavira is a white horse, but it's a, um, it's what they put, or I should know this, it's what they put around the, the face of the horse to be able to, to drive it. A harness, thank you. It's like the, a red harness on a, on a white horse. Okay, in other words, it's Tsugapast. It fits, it fits beautifully. Okay. Rishim Benasiyah, Rishim says, And what's another example? Something that's twisted that cannot be fixed. A person who has forbidden relations and a mamzer is born, that child is going to be a mamzer. It can never be fixed. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara now, why can't it be fixed? Because a mamzer was born. That's what it seems to imply. Hold it in. If the mamzer was born from that relation, so then it can't be fixed. Low, hold it low. Let's say she didn't become, she didn't conceive from that intercourse. So then, it seems, it could be fixed up. If somebody steals, you could return it, and everything's fixed up. If you steal publicly, same thing, you can give it back, and you're all done. You do your process of tshuva, and it's finished. But somebody who has sexual relations with a married woman, and now you cause that she's now forbidden to go back to her husband, the halacha is that if a woman on her own accord has an affair with a man, she's not allowed to go back to her husband. Now if she's, if she's uh, you know, it wasn't, however it went down, wasn't really her fault, okay, so it's a shayla. But we find this by Esther. Right, we know Esther was married to Mordechai before Achashverosh took her. We learned this in Megillah together. And she had to sleep with Achashverosh. She remained permitted to Mordechai, even though she was living with Achashverosh, because it was against her will. She couldn't fight with the king. But once Mordechai said to her, go in, you need to save Klai Yisrael, and she approached him on her own accord, she said, what was her expression? Kasher avaditi avaditi. Whatever I lose, I lose. Remember, the Gemara Megillah taught us. She wasn't only talking about her life. Achashverosh might kill me. She was telling Mordechai, by you telling me to go into Achashverosh, that means I'm going in on my own decision. You, we can never get back together in a marriage. Because this is going to be the first time I'm initiating this. And she was willing to give that up on behalf of Klal Yisrael. And as, we, as we've explained many times, by the story of Purim, all the Jews ended up happy 
besides for Esther. I'm sure she was happy that we were saved, but for the rest of her life, she lived with that scoundrel Achashverosh. People don't think about that. Esther stayed in that palace, married to this guy who was a lowlife that she didn't want to be with. She was stuck with him for the rest of her life. She didn't have a, a happy ending to, uh, you know, to, she was happy that Claudius was saved. But this was a big move on her part. The halacha is a woman who goes willingly to have an affair with a man, she's not permitted to her husband again. So that means you can never go back. Back into the Gemara here. Nitra min um, So that person is lost from the world, okay, which means he's going to go to Gehenim and he's going to be there for a while. Because not only did you take a married woman, you destroyed somebody else's family. Rav Shimba Yechai says, you don't say, look at a camel, look at a, look at a chazir, look at a P-I-G. A person should say, look at a sheep. Okay? What do you mean, look at a sheep? In other words, a sheep has kedusha, could be used for something good. Okay, so check it out, see if it's good. But other things are clearly not good. Okay? So only when you could be okay, do we help you out. There's a worthwhile looking at. Something that's very off is very off. And what are we referring to here? This is referring to a Tamar Chacham who walks away, separates himself from Taira. Any Tamar Chacham that walks away, separates himself from Taira. About him, the Pasuk says, The same way a bird you know, walks away from its coop. So too, a man is walking away from the place where he really belongs. And the Pasuk says, what, what did you find in your forefathers of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? HaKadosh Baruch says to a Yid, what do you find wrong with the, with the life of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that you find the need to forsake me? Bottom line, let's go back. Why are we mentioning this b'risa? Because we said in the Mishnah, the only time you cannot fix up a twisted relationship is when a child, a mamzer, is born from the relationship. But you see from this brisa that if a, if a man has an affair with a married woman and breaks her family, breaks her marriage, and uh, that's also can't be fixed too easily. That guy's going to be in Gehenna and he's not going to be let go for a long time. So it's not dependent on the child, it's dependent on the action. To which the Gemara answers, Lokasha, there's no question. Kan Ba One's talking about where a person uh, incest, a person had relations with his single sister. So if she conceives, that child will be a mamzer and you didn't break a relationship. You didn't break a family. So over there, that's when we say it cannot be fixed up. Kan while the other one is Aishasish. So you're you're taking her away from her family. And that it actually would be true that whether or not there's a mamzer by an Ish, that would be a scenario where it's Mo'ovis, the Yucha Liskon. Viva Yasem, another possible answer, we'll end with this answer, another is to say, both our Mishnah, which says that a mamzer is born, and the Brisa, which says that it's dependent on the action, the, the relation itself, is talking about a married woman. But like Kash, is no question. Khan, in our Mishnah, we now turn to the top of Dafyod, Ba'inis, once talking about when it's against her will. So when it's, when it's against her will, or you took advantage of this woman, then she's permitted to go back to her husband. 
So it's only can't be fixed if a mamzer is born. You didn't break the marriage. Kan baratzen. As opposed to if you if you had a relationship with her, both of you willingly, so now you're also breaking apart her family and her husband's family. Um, and, and that's where we say it's going to be an issue whether or not a mamzer is born. We'll hold it here for today. We're almost by the mission. Tomorrow we'll pick up Bez Hashem with another answer, and then we'll, uh, we'll get, you know, that'll be just another short Gemara. Bez Hashem, we will pick up from here tomorrow evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.